Have you ever felt paralyzed by the expectation of being more than enough? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Just Enough Podcast. I'm Angie, and I'm just a mom, just a wife, just a pastor, just a friend, just whatever. And many times, I'm just plain tired. Trying to keep up and being more than enough for everyone in our lives will keep us from living the lives that God has intended for us. Leaving our dreams and the life that we want just out of reach. So, welcome to the journey where I hope that you find that you are just enough. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. So I am so excited to be staring at the most beautiful lady I know. Her name is Kristen Jeffries and she uh, came into my life 13 years ago when she married my wonderful cousin Josh and um, our lives have never quite been the same since. So she brings a lot of laughter and I actually I feel like Josh like married a version of myself. I, I agree with that. Yes. Sisters. Yes, for sure. For sure. I don't feel, I feel more like your sister than I do like a distant cousin. It's like the weirdest thing. So, and you also have two amazing daughters, Addison and Avery Kate. They're pretty sweet. Tell us about them a little bit. Um, Addison is 10. She'll be 11, 11 in May and she's going into middle school, which is hard for me to believe. And Avery is eight going on 21 mm-hmm. um and she'll be in third grade this coming school year so they're really sweet we call them the a team and they are busy and keep us on our toes they certainly do in and more I'm, ways than one yeah and i'm glad to be an a also so i'm an yes, honorary member of you the are. A team. yeah they I, would consider you a part of their team yeah i'm sure. excited about being a part of their team i actually refer to them as my nieces because yeah. i think it's weird that they're so little and they're my cousins right? so <laughs> I always refer to them as my nieces, and that makes sense since you and I are more yeah. like sisters and Josh more like my brother. And it so, does make sense. Yeah, I've just, um, yeah, so that's how our family is. I, My cousin Josh and Jill lived in Missouri, so I'm from Missouri. Josh and them are from Texas um, originally, but they lived in our area in Missouri when they were younger, and I babysat them, and there's a lot of fun memories that come along with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when they moved back down to the grand old state of Texas, then um, – <laughs> I am further away from them than I like, but it is good to be here in the great state of Texas, and I knew that one of my very first guests would have to be my cousin, Kristen, because she is not only amazing in every way um, as a woman, but as her job is pretty amazing. She works as the women's ministry director at Second Baptist of Houston, the North Campus here in Kingwood, and it's no small task to be serving in a church of this size. And I was really excited because two years ago, like this week, Mm -hmm. we were celebrating your taking on this position. Right. And so I was looking back at my Facebook memories and I saw the little plaque that you were holding and we were so proud. (laughs) Yeah, it's still in my window. It's still in the window here. And so it was really fun to see that. And I thought, you know, I definitely want to ask Kristen because as women, we are always in the process of juggling. Right. And feeling like... We have to be all things to all people at all times. And I, am, I for one, have struggled my entire adult life um, saying yes to everything and not having a good balance in my life and not having good boundaries that I have set. Um, and I've worn myself completely out yep. um, and trying to be more than enough. And so when that whole phrase started coming to pass with being more than enough, it just overwhelmed me. 
uh, because I know that in myself, I am not equipped to handle just about anything. Yeah, right. (laughs) And I think the older I get, the more that I come in tune with that. Uh, When you're younger, you think you can conquer the world. And uh, here, yeah, when you get older, you realize just how little you can conquer. You can conquer the world with Advil. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Lots of Advil. Lots of Advil. Yeah. And maybe Coke Zero. Yeah, coffee and Jesus. Yes, coffee and Jesus. And yes, so we're very grateful for that. Um, So before we get into all of that, though, I do want to ask you just a little bit about your background. Like, where did you grow up? Um, So I grew up in Livingston, Texas. And it's a small town in East Texas, about 50 miles north from Kingwood. And it's a, again, it's a small town. So a lot of people grew up there, stayed there. There's a lot of families that were legacy families there. Everyone knew everyone. Uh, But we moved there when I was five and we were members of First Baptist Church Livingston. um, And that's where I became a believer and was baptized. And that's where I learned how to love the Lord and what it meant to be a follower of Jesus and had really great uh, pastors and youth pastors there that I still keep in contact with through Facebook. Um, Even the pastor that baptized me were friends on Facebook. And it's just always great when I see him uh, because I remember he's the one that really led me to Jesus. And so just the, that seed of, of my faith started there in that church. And I'm just very thankful for everything that they taught me. And I'm thankful to my parents for raising me in church. Um, Mm -hmm. I recently found a box of my old papers from school, like second grade. And there were a lot of things in there that um, I wrote about, I love God, or, you know, God loves me. And it just made me so grateful that my family um, laid that foundation of faith for me at an early age. And it was not a negotiable to go to church. Like we went to church every week. Every time the doors were open, we were at church. That doesn't make you a believer, but it really set those those disciplines for me as I grew up. So anyway, I grew up in Livingston. We still have a lot of great friends there. My family no longer lives there, but it's a great town and full of great people, and I couldn't ask for a better upbringing. That's amazing. I, I do want to touch on something because I was not raised in church. Okay. So... For me, I mean, we had a church, but we were kind of like those, you know, Christmas and Easter yeah. type going to church. And I, I don't know exactly why. I think it might have been my dad was a, he owned his own business. And so it was a family business. And I he worked, you know, just crazy long hours. And I think that by the time Sunday rolled around, he just needed a day. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I don't think it, it was right. I, he's such a good man. And I, and he's always, I think, uh, loved God. No, mm-hmm. no doubt about that. But I think that there has been, you know, the idea of going to church was just not necessary. It wasn't what he needed at that time in his yeah. life. He just felt like he needed a day yeah. off. Um, and so um, I wasn't raised in church. And one thing that I do remember, though, is I did go to Sunday school on occasion And I remember that the Sunday school teacher there had a picture of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And and we're talking like the European Jesus, you know. (laughs) Yeah. The white Jesus? Yes, the white Jesus where he's, you know, praying and the Uh sun is coming down and his hair is perfect. I mean, like the perfect ways. Blue eyes. Yes, Yes. blue eyes, the whole thing. Uh And I remember, I don't remember a lot that was taught in that class, but I remember I would sit and I would look at that picture and I would feel overwhelmingly drawn Mm-hmm. to him. And I always felt that draw to God mm-hmm. in my life growing up. And so having said that, like, I remember that as a kid. And then I remember when I was in high school, 
even though I was not making a decision for Christ, I had a picture of Jesus hanging in my bedroom. <laughs> and it was like the old like gold frame, yeah. the big one. It yeah. wasn't just like a it little like picture the Jesus of Jesus. Poster. It was it was legit. Okay. Like, you know, the Garden of Gethsemane yes. and the sun rays. Yeah. It was the whole thing. And I had that hanging on my wall when I was a teenager. Like how crazy um, is that? I had Matthew McConaughey hanging on my walls. Well, teenager. I also had, I don't even I don't <laughs> so you may have been you may have been a lot more holy than me and didn't even know it. I also had George Brett. So oh, he was okay. he was he was the happening well, thing. Go. I'm from there Kansas City. So if you know, then you yeah. know. George Brett was also hanging right beside Jesus <laughs> on my Jesus. wall. <laughs> but that draw of wow. God my whole yeah. life. And so if you're here today and you are not you have not been raised yep. in church or you were raised in church mm-hmm. and you've decided that you know you had a bad experience or whatever. Listen, God is drawing us. He's yeah. drawing us from even when we're not looking for him. He is there. Yeah. And I just I recall whenever I was asked when we became pastors, they asked, you know, about my my salvation experience and I said, "Well, I, I officially gave my heart to God when I was about 17 years old." Mm-hmm. And I ran to the altar and gave my heart over to him. I said, "But I feel like I have loved God my whole life." Mm-hmm. He was always what a drawing great, me. Yeah. yeah. What a and, great statement, too. Because yeah. he is. He's wooing. I think he woos us Yeah, um, at whatever age. Like, I didn't think my testimony was that big of a deal because I became a believer at eight. Well, I don't have, like, some great story, but I learned as an adult, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Your story is your story. Your testimony will touch someone. Share it. Right. It's to be shared. And not just the good stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's power, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying giving glory to sin because I I'm gonna tell you what I made some really bad choices, but even during all that, because God, you know, He's a gentleman, yeah, and He was drawing me ever yeah. since childhood, and and I remember um, Aunt Arlette, you know, Josh's mm-hmm. parents, Aunt Arlette and Uncle Uncle Larry, they would they would come back and they were living in in Harrisonville where I grew up for a time and they went to the Baptist church. Mm-hmm. So of course, when they were there, you know, they were bringing me to church right. too. And they were wanting me to come to church uh, with them knowing that we weren't, you know, officially going to church all the time. But, you know, God allowed for me to make bad choices. Mm-hmm. He allowed it. Yeah. He, he allows us to make our choices, but he never left me in any of them. Mm-hmm. And I remember in high school, uh, just feeling so dejected and, and, and people, you know, when I when I found out, you know, that I was I was pregnant after bad choices, I, I felt like, you know, every whisper in the hall was about mm-hmm. me. It probably wasn't. Yeah. Um, but I, I do remember a few times where teachers would be, you know, not so quietly talking about my situation. Mm-hmm. Situation. And, yeah. um, you know, I was like, I, you know, I'm a real person. I'm right here and I can hear what you're saying. And it, and it started a path where I felt very alone, mm-hmm. but I would, I would go back home and I would see that picture of Jesus on my wall and I would realize I am not alone. No. And God, that whole thing, again, that's a whole podcast by itself, but God has been drawing me since I was a child and I could bear to say that he's been drawing you as well. Yeah. And so listen to that still small voice. Yeah. That one that it, when you're in your lowest spot that says you're worthy. Mm-hmm. That one, that voice when you find that you have just maybe given up hope that says there's still hope. Mm-hmm. Listen to that and hear that voice. And that's not the loud voices around you that tell you you're worthless or you're right. no longer 
able to be used or whatever, but that one still small voice that says it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. That is the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts, and I'm just so grateful for that. So, yeah, yeah I'm grateful that, that you had your experience, and I'm and, and what a wonderful testimony. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm thankful because my parents, you know, they didn't have to take me to church, you know, but they did, and I, I may have veered off around college, and I didn't go to church as much, but but then when I moved down here as a single person, I walked in not knowing a single person into this very church and found people that took me in and right. showed me that there is a place. There was a place for me here, and I'm still here. So, yeah. And look at you now. Yeah, look, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I'm just old. <laughs> no way, no way. Now I'm sitting sitting at the desk looking right. at your beautiful family here and, and seeing the, the work when you when we first saw this desk two years ago it was empty there was nothing on it yeah and you you were holding a sign up and that's hanging in the window and I'm looking at this desk now and it represents um not only you I'm looking at your family pictures here I'm looking at bible studies here I'm looking at you know notebooks full of information on upcoming events and and it's such a busy place but I see it's a place where God is ordained and uh, yeah. it's wonderful to see you sitting behind that chair behind this Thanks, desk and Angie. seeing all that you're doing here. So it's exciting. Thank you. Okay, so balancing life is something that I know that I have struggled with um, as a pastor, you know, always being on 24-7, which is just the way that it is when you're a pastor, right? And that's the right. way that we want it to be. Um, but balancing that and family time, raising your kids – Raising your kids to love the Lord and to love the church, but not to make the church their relationship with God. Right. That's like a huge deal that I think maybe we didn't do always the best job of. And I think it's something that you always look back in hindsight. It's always 2020. Uh, moving forward, I know that, you know, it's it has changed my, my viewpoint and not my viewpoint, but um, the way I approach youth ministry. Um, it's not just about being in the building. Right. It's about where's your relationship with Jesus. Right. And I think that it's real easy to just go through the motions, and especially and even as a pastor. I mean, it's super easy to just get into the routine of this is and when we're here. And play church. Yes, and play church. Yeah. So it's a constant, you know, um, analyze, analyzing our hearts and where our hearts are at. Right. Um, so between your balance in the church, um, and we'll get to that with your work schedule and how you approach that as a as a person who heads a ministry as big as you've got here at the North Campus and then as a whole working with a, a like a mother church right. in Houston. But also just, I mean, going back to when you and, you and Josh first got together and, mar- and just managing your marriage, like as a new, newly wedded person, how did you manage the expectations of going from not married to being in a married relationship, the wifely, you know, duties and balancing all that. It's hard to remember those times. I mean, I always heard that, like, once you have kids, you don't remember what life was like before kids, and it's very true. Uh, I do remember that we had a lot more time. (laughs) But Josh worked a really weird work schedule, and Mm -hmm. so he would go to bed at 8 o'clock at night because he had to be at work, leave for work at 3 in the morning. So um, it wasn't hard then to me to balance work and life because it was just us. Mm -hmm. And you could be really selfish 
you know, you, yeah. it was just us. And so if we wanted to go out to eat one night, we could do that, drop everything and, and go to my parents, you know, drive to Mississippi on the weekend. That was fine. Um, at the time I was working for the church, but not in this role. And I was leading worship. I've been leading worship here as a volunteer since 2004. Right. So, you know, not every weekend, but two or three weekends a month, you know, I would have that commitment. So I wouldn't say it was hard to balance then. It got hard once um, I stopped being a stay-at-home mom and came back to work. And that's when I really felt that sacrificial service. Mm -hmm. You know, the things that you take on um, outside of your job, it, it becomes very sacrificial. So my my worship leading, I love to lead worship. That's, I believe, a a giftedness that the Lord has given me to honor him. I'm here to testify. Yes, definitely. It's, but it's definitely. hard. And I don't think that people really realize the time that you put in, you know, mm -hmm. getting here on Saturdays, three hours early before service. And you give up a lot of your, your weekend. So it's that saying, learning how to say no, maybe to other things too, mm -hmm. like kids activities we're a one activity at a time family. We, I draw a boundary line because we can't say yes to everything. Right. If I did that, I wouldn't be teaching my kids either how to set boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. I would be saying, well, just do it all. And then if you can't make your commitment, then that's not a big deal. It is a big deal. I don't want to raise my kids to think commitments are not a big deal. At the same time, if you don't set margins for your family, no one else will set margins for your family. You That's have to set <laughs> margins for your family. So saying no is a completely okay answer to people, even within ministry, mm -hmm. even within your church. It's okay to say no, because if you're a great volunteer, the church will always ask you to help. But it's okay sometimes to say, I can't help with this. Right. Because it's God, your family. You know, mm -hmm. you have to take care of that first. So I learned that early on that you just can't be everything to everyone. Right. As a mom and as a woman, it's hard, especially if you're a people pleaser. Right. Not all women are people pleasers. I've learned that. But if you are, it's very hard to say no. You and will yes yourself to death. Yeah. And I also think that there's also a part of us that, especially when we're somewhere new or in a new place, it can feel like if we say no, then we'll never be asked again. Right. You yeah. Know? Well, if, if, if I don't jump in, and that's another spiritual lesson. If it's a no from you, then God's meaning that for someone else. Right. If that is not what God has for you, then let someone else step into that because yes. he's already raised them up for it. And that's a lesson, again, on um, our like versus ourself, like mm -hmm. that selfishness. Like, well, if right. I don't do it, then it won't get done. Well, that's not true. Right. Because then you're making God like really yeah. small in a box. And you're saying that he can't raise anyone up or he has not gone before and provided for this one thing. So no, it's a lesson great. to learn. It really is. That's really great. I, I know when we first came into the ministry, you know, there was a, it was a different time when I say that. Yeah. I mean, it really, truly was. It was, you know, almost 25 years or almost 20 sorry, 23 years ago that we came into the ministry and there wasn't really a manual for the pastor's wife. Yeah. It was just, you know, be, go for it. Yeah. And, be the pastor's wife. And I think and, it's probably gotten easier to be a pastor's wife, right? I mean, I don't want to speak for pastor's wives, but I think maybe the pressure has 
come off a little over the years? I think so, because I think when we first came into the ministry, I felt like I had to be everything. Yeah. I had to be at everything. All eyes on you. Yes. And and just also the, um, the expectation of that I knew the answer to everything. Mm -hmm. And I very much do not know the answer to everything. As a matter of fact, I used to tell our kids all the time, you know what, I think Pastor Lance can answer that question for you. (laughs) And then he told me I did have to know the answer for some things. And so, okay, fine. So I deflect all the time. I can't always deflect. But I know that um, there were times when I put the ministry or the work before my kids. I put the work before my husband. Um, by saying yes to everything, I was saying no to so many good things that I needed to. And there was a book that, um, I think every woman should read, whether you are serving the Lord or not. And it's called the best. Yes. Yeah. By Lisa Turkhurst. I never say her name right. I hope that's right. Yeah, that's right. Don't hate me, Lisa, if I can't say your last name. But, um, (laughs) if you're listening, you're right. Um, but anyhow, the, um, I feel like that book should be read by every woman because saying yes to to something means you're saying no to something else. Right. And as women, I feel like there are a lot of times when we find ourselves in a place where we are saying yes to everything because we feel like that's what people want or need from us. Yeah. But sometimes people need for us to say no. Because I know, like you said a minute ago about, well, if I don't do it, then nobody will do it. There are times when I have robbed a blessing from someone someone else else. stepping in or someone else doing something, even if it's not the way I would do it by saying, you know what, I'm going to handle that because I want it done my way. And it's really just a control problem. Yes. And so I found out that a lot of times when I was feeling overwhelmed and worn out was because I had such a control issue in my own life where I was feeling like I had to control every aspect of every single thing. And it was just, it wore me totally out it burned me out yeah and it robs you of peace yes robs you of peace and it robs others of the opportunity to step into what you were talking about about sacrificial service Mm -hmm. there's so many times where I feel like we will sacrifice ourselves to serve Mm -hmm. when actually what we need to do is give a sacrifice of service right and sometimes that looks different and so um you know when I when I was thinking about God was dealing with me for a long time about doing this. And I was like, oh, I don't have time to do that. I don't even know where to start. I still don't know where to start. We're still trying to figure this thing out, right? (laughs) And um, I'm just going to learn as I go along, and and that's okay. It's okay not to have everything figured out before you start something. Um, I don't recommend it for everything, but Sometimes you have to jump in. Here we are. Yeah. And um, someone told me, if you don't do this, then someone else will which is okay in a lot of things. Yeah. But for this, God had for me to do it. And he, you know, God speaks to us in different ways. Mm-hmm. All the time he speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through prayer. Um, he speaks to us through others. And I think it's amazing that I had a friend that actually said to me, I had a dream last night. And I freaked out because I'm like, oh, great. Now what? <laughs> what terrible thing am I, <laughs> you know, am I going to, it's going to be expelled in my life. Right. And so I, um, I said, okay, what was your dream? And she said, I want you to tell me assume some of it first. And so I explained to her, you know, she said, there's something you're supposed to be doing and you're not doing it. I know what it is, but I want to hear you say it. And I was like, oh, so I told her and she said, I'm going to hold you to that because you're right. I had a dream of you with a microphone in front of you and you were, you were, you know, providing value and do, and, and people were finally feeling free because of what you were saying and the people that you were bringing on and the words that were being spoken And 
I was putting it off because I felt like it needed to be perfect from the start. And here we are. I still don't know what I'm doing, and that's all right. And I'm just going to yep. go forward and hope that this something that is said today will grab a hold of your heart. And those of you who are listening um, can take away even just a nugget from today. Um, and I appreciate your time and, and being here with us. And so um, when I thought about what this was called, um, you know, I don't know about you, Kristen, but even though there's this whole idea of being more than enough and being some, you know, everything for everyone, your right. kids, your spouse, your your job, your family, your extended family, your friends, you know, that's all, all, you know, good and well. And there's things that we all struggle with with that. But one thing that I was thinking about when I was talking to my friend was, you know, listen, I'm just a mom and I'm just a pastor and I'm just this and I'm just that. And when you hear the word just before you say something, that automatically makes you feel like you're saying that you're small or less than. Yeah. So what do you think about when you when you hear that? Well, I, I think lately I've been hearing the term imposter syndrome thrown around a lot. And I really hadn't heard that until probably a couple of weeks ago. But when I stepped into this role as women's ministry director, this was not on my radar. Mm-hmm. I was an x-ray tech before I ever stepped in to work at the church many years ago. And that was a God thing in and of itself. But to come back around after being a stay-at-home mom and step into this position, like God has a sense of humor. This is not (laughs) ever anything that I saw my would see myself doing. And so for the last two years, being in this role, I have struggled with, I'm not enough for these ladies. I'm not enough. I don't have a theology degree. I don't know the Bible as well as some of these other women. Um, and then when I heard the word, Im- the phrase imposter syndrome, I said, that's it. Like, that's what I've been feeling all these, all this time is I feel like an, an imposter and that someone's going to come in my office one day and go like, okay, we found you out. Like, get out. Yeah. You know, you're like, not come on, you're, <laughs> you are not the one weakest link, like goodbye, yeah. you know? And, but I do believe that that, that's not from God and that's not what the women that I, that I'm ministering to or, or that are in turn ministering to me, that's not what I'm hearing from them. That's not what I'm hearing from my supervisors or my pastors. It's what I'm hearing from the devil. Like mm-hmm. when I'm allowing those negative, those negative words to come into my mind, that's not the Lord. The Lord never gives us those words about our, about us. He loves us. I am only capable of doing this job because of him. I am only capable of raising my kids because of him. I'm only capable of being a godly wife because of him. Mm-hmm. Because when you're married, you're not perfect. The two of you are not perfect. It's very imperfect. And there are life things that happen that are very hard. So without the Lord in your marriage and without the Lord raising children, without the Lord in your friendships, nothing works. So no, you will never be enough. But with God in your weakness, he is made, he is strong. Right. So we don't have to be enough. We don't have to be strong all the time. And that's what I've learned really over the, I mean, I guess since I've had kids, I've really learned it being a mom. You just, some days you feel, you know, I mean, you feel beat down and like, why, why? I don't understand why this is happening. And I'm not a good mom. And 
now with social media, you really feel like you're not a good mom mm-hmm. because there's all these perfect moms mm-hmm. who are making, you know, four course meals for their kids' school lunch. And in the morning, I'm like, what are y'all making yourselves for lunch? You know, <laughs> so you kind of feel like you're not enough, right? You're yeah. not enough. But with you're not enough. But the Lord fills that in like right. he fills the gaps where right. you are not enough. He fills those gaps. Right. And I feel like we're just enough for the people that God has given us. Yeah. And, and that's just it. I think that there are a lot of times when I feel like I'm the worst friend ever because I'm the type of person that I don't have to have constant contact with you to be your friend. Like, right. it's just my, not my personality. I can also, like, I can't, I can go without seeing you for six months and then see you. And it's like, I saw you yesterday. Yeah. Like I can, I can do that. I can, I have a good friend of mine who's actually been a part of my life for like 25 years and her name is Barb and she was actually a youth sponsor at our first youth ministry position and she her kids were in the youth group and she just became my like very best friend in the world and she's the type of friend that will tell you when you're wrong everybody everybody needs at least one person one barb man that'll just sharpen you and and tell you and let you talk and then say okay i'm going to tell you really quick that you need to probably flip around that, that way of thinking i think you might be wrong on this and so you all need a barb but um for her she and I, for a long time, once we left that church and came to another church, there's like this pastoral courtesy thing where, you know, you don't really contact the people. And it's it's a good thing. It's so that people can learn to love a new pastor and follow a new leadership and things like that. But, you know, we had to kind of break, not break ties, but we just were limited in our relationship. Yeah. And she finally just broke the silence and said, I, I had to talk to you. Like, I, I can't take this separation yeah. anymore. <laughs> And, you know, I thought, you know, when we left there, like, she doesn't need me. You know, she's going to find a great pastor, mm-hmm. and she's going to build new relationships. And she's like, I need you. And for her to say that to me, like, I choose you, mm-hmm. and I need you in my life, that's a big deal. And I think that especially as pastors and people in charge of, even, you know, as the women's director here, in charge of that ministry and overseeing, you know, the Bible studies and all of the activities you know, you're in a role where people are looking to you for not only um, direction, but friendship and right. community. And I think that sometimes we think, you know, God, I'm not, I'm not enough for these people. Like, I look at the women in my church who have lived longer than me, who have raised kids yeah. and now, you know, have grandkids and they've, they've lived wonderful lives and they're full of so much wisdom. And I look at them and think, I'm just, you know... <laughs> I'm How will I there. ever get there? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I think that sometimes I feel like we as as women, you know, when I think of I'm just this, I'm just that, God says it's just enough. Yeah. And and I when I was thinking about this podcast and thinking about, you know, what is it that I have to offer people that maybe is different than what everybody else is saying is that it's okay to be just enough. Yeah. And it's okay because when we look at Jesus as our example. And here I'm going to start talking fast, so I have to slow myself down. When we talk about and think about Jesus as our ultimate example, I think back to um, several different things in the Bible, several different stories. But when you talk about the feeding of the 5,000, which was obviously more than that because they only counted men back in the day. They had families. Yeah, they had families that were there. Women and children were there, too. Mm -hmm. So probably I think theologians talk about fifteen to 20,000. People on that day mm-hmm. were on the hillside, and I've actually been to Israel and stood in that spot and looked up and looked at the hillside and thinking, wow, 
because it was a huge, like almost like a natural amphitheater yeah. where people would have been able to hear. Because, you know, you think of Bible stories, and you're like, yeah, right. Like he was like talking to 5,000 people. They didn't have microphones back right. then. Um, you know, I had rock walls. Yeah, that... exactly. And it was just Called amazing. Acoustics. Yeah, it's, it's acoustics, people. And so he's backed against the water and he's looking at these people. And, and the thing about Jesus is he was always, well, first of all, he's all knowing because he is God. But he also always met the needs of the people first. Mm-hmm. Like he's looking at these people and he looks at his disciples and he said, hey, you know, we need to feed these people. Mm-hmm. They've journeyed all this way, you know, most of them on foot because they didn't have cars back then. You know, we come to church for an hour and a half and we're looking at our watch because, you oh, know, yeah. it's lunchtime. The Western Sizzler is going to fill <laughs> up and, you know, what are we going to do for lunch? Yeah, people are giving the pastor the, the cutthroat thing right. say come on f- yeah, finish land up. the plane sir. yes <laughs> yeah on my husband's third closing of the day yeah. everybody's like oh, okay is this the third or fourth <laughs> so anyway sorry babe anyhow um but you know when you think about that he met the needs of the people so he sit he looks to the disciples and says hey you know we need to feed these people and they look at jesus like are you kidding me i mean yeah we're what in the same do? place yeah. you see how all are you these people do that? how are we gonna do this and he says well go gather up what you can I'm sure, like, if I was a disciple, I'd been like, not enough, Lord, Here not enough. I mean, everybody got to have to have their own lunch is yeah. what is what we're going to have. You got your lunch? You got your, oh, you don't yeah. have your lunch? Oh. Yeah, this was not oh, the great. days of the Lunchables. No, no, no. And so they find this young boy's got a lunch, and they, they gather it up. Can you imagine being a disciple and gathering? Also being the little boy. Yeah, and be like, dude, that's my lunch. My mom made that for me. But like, you know, walking around, you know, I can just imagine. I, I think of, sometimes I think of Bible stories in modern time, which is, I don't know why, but I'm very visual. And so I'm seeing them walking up with this lunchbox, you know. Yeah. It's got like, I don't know, Spider-Man on the front. Right. And he's like, well, we got this, you know. And that's what they bring to the Lord. And he's like, perfect. It's just enough. It's just enough. It's just enough. And so he, you know, blesses it. And they're probably looking at him going, have you ever prayed with one eye open? You're like. Uh huh. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I don't think this is enough. What kind of magic is about to happen here? <laughs> and as he blessed it, you know, he breaks it into these 12 baskets, which I think is really telling, too, that there were 12 disciples. Mm-hmm. There was just enough baskets for each one of them to be a part of a miracle. Yeah. And so they have these baskets, and the Lord's breaking it, and it just keeps breaking and breaking and breaking. But one thing I think is really telling is when you have this basket, I mean, obviously they're carrying them, right? So they begin to distribute it through the crowd. And can you imagine being holding the basket? Now, guys, I don't I mean, obviously there weren't cameras back then, but this is Angie's interpretation of what happened as they're walking through the crowd and as as bundles of fish and bread are taken yeah. out of the basket, more replaces that. It never Just, runs dry. Yeah. Until the very end, after they I mean, can you imagine? Like I would think, you know, after the first ten people, you're like, Okay, I'm <laughs> be yeah, running gotta, out quick you know hey listen only take one right you know? right <laughs> only one please one like, and done they didn't have tongs like at fazoli's mm-hmm. where they're handing you one breadstick at a time you know like they're like okay so people are taking fish out of there and like whoa, whoa, whoa limit on that but anyway so they're going on and they get through this massive crowd and their baskets are still full and they return back to the lord and i think that the disciples learned something so powerful that day mm-hmm. that anything in the master's hands is enough Right. Anything. So when you think about your life, anything you have is enough. We don't have to wait until we have things figured out. We don't have to be, you know, we don't have to have a college education. Right. You know, that 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 myth, I think, is out the door. I'm not saying that it's not good to have because right. obviously education is a good thing. My husband is going to be, I, I swear, he is a lifetime student. Mm-hmm. If, if he could go back to school right now, he would do it. He just loves to learn. I 
on the other hand, I'm yeah. very, very grateful that <laughs> yeah. I don't have to have a degree in anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, done Yeah, I'm school. S- I know a lot of things, but I don't have to do schooling anymore. And the thing that um, really speaks to me is that no matter where I've been in life, and especially as I'm getting older, um, I'll be 47 this year, and I'm finding that everything that I everything that I need for right now is in my hands. Yeah. I don't have to have anything more than what I've received. And, you know, we started out, you know, we made bad choices as teenagers. We started out the wrong way. Um, what some people would look at us and think, well, that's a lost cause. God turned around for his glory, and mm-hmm. he has allowed for us to be in the place that we're in. And if you haven't listened to the first podcast, you need to go and check that out uh, because it, it gives a little bit about my background and why you would probably maybe understand why I was in the mindset for a lot of years. Well, I'm just this. Well, I'm just that. Um, Because, you know, starting off, you know, without it being, you know, the most perfect circumstances makes you feel like you're not good enough for anything for any time. Right. And you're always just on the cusp or always arm's length away from having something to work out well um, or, you know, to be uh, qualified Mm -hmm. for something. And so anyway, you know, you're looking at these disciples and they're going back, back to our story, go back to this, where they, they come back to the Lord and they have a basket for each of them. And right then, Jesus says, all right. He preaches to the people they're able to hear. And then he says, okay, it's time for me to go. You know, you guys go on ahead across. Mm-hmm. I need to get away. <laughs> I'm tired, man. I need man. some I just, uh, alone, quiet I just, time. Yeah, I just did all of this, and um, I just did this miracle in front of your eyes. And I can't imagine that the disciples probably heard anything he said that day. Yeah. Because they're probably sitting there looking at that basket of fish mm-hmm. and the bread and realizing, number one, who he was. Right. That this guy's no joke. Mm-hmm. Who he says he is, he is. And then to be sitting there listening and watching and looking and eating this fish and this bread, realizing that he is everything to them. Mm-hmm. He's their very breath. He's the next meal. He is everything that we need. And when I look at my life and I look where I'm at today, especially with the, the I don't even want to call them positions, but the, um, the ministry opportunities that I've had um, and still hold today that I'm able to serve um, in – if you would have asked me 25 years ago, would I be doing this? I would have laughed at you and thought, yeah. oh, there's no way. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm too dirty. I've made too many mistakes. I've done too many wrong things for God to use me in that way. And he is, he's actually shown us, not only by the lives of the disciples, that he can use anybody to do anything. Yeah. And he can provide in every situation, but he can do that for us today. So there might be someone listening today that's like, man, I just... I've messed up too much and I've, I've walked away from opportunity or maybe I've, I've, I've sinned and I've, I've caused for opportunity to be taken away from me. Yeah. What would you say to someone who might be going through something like that? I would say to touch back on what you said a minute ago about him giving us, you know, today, like look at your life, take an evaluation of your life and think if there was a time like I can't look back at a time where he did not meet my needs as they needed to be met. Mm -hmm. Maybe not the way I would have seen them met, but even with friendships, looking back um, in season, you know, for some friendships are seasonal, some friendships last forever, but even looking back at seasons of your life where he's placed people in your life for that time, even if it was just one person 
It's like the Israelites when he was dropping food to them in the desert. Well, they were never satisfied, but he was giving them just what they needed. They just couldn't see that. They were just never, it was never enough for them. But we know, we know more than they did, right? Like we, we know the end, we know the result. And I think that if you are on the other end of this podcast and you're listening, um, and you're feeling like you're not enough, you're not. <laughs> I mean, hate to break it to you. <laughs> sorry. Uh, you're not enough. I mean, if you don't have the Lord in your life, like then please, like, I don't know, reach out to the, I don't know how you respond to this podcast, but I know that Angie would love to talk to you about that. But if you are a believer and you still struggle with those things, go back to the root, like go back mm-hmm. to the basics, go back to those, those spiritual disciplines of worship and prayer and knowing who God is and remembering his faithfulness. We get spiritual amnesia all the time where we forget, like we worry about the future and if he's going to provide and we forget all the times that he's provided everything that we've needed that he sees that we need. Yeah. Right. Whether it be friendships or uh, financially or with your family, with your health, you know, little church, anything he's in the details. But we forget that. And I think that's that can be really hard. It can be discouraging when we lose sight of all the things that he's done for us in the past. I agree. But to remember, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. We may change and become a fickle people, <laughs> you know, but he does not change. And so it's just really important to remember those things and that, um, I spoke to our J High girls last week about worship and this the discipline of worship and about how when we come to him in a fake way, when we play fake church, it produces fake fruit. Yeah. And we don't want to be the bowl of fake lemons on the table. We want to be the bowl of shiny real lemons, right? right? We want to be the real fruit. We want to show, we want to produce the real fruit. And so um, I think just believing him and knowing that he provides and that with him we are enough that's the basics yeah of our faith and I think it's also just trusting Mm -hmm. trusting him for it I think that you know in a in a time where trust is broken yeah a lot in our in our culture today where someone's word is not necessary you know I I grew up when and that's going to make me sound old but when a handshake meant something right and that's no longer the, the case anymore. People will throw you under the bus for, for their next, you know, mm-hmm. their next big break. And you see it all the time um, in our culture. But we're to be anti-culture. We're to be mm-hmm. different than what is necessarily being sold to us. And um, I think that one thing that, like you touched on before, was, you know, kind of that whole being in the, um, on the social media aspect and, and how people's lives are are seemingly perfect yeah. airbrushed and Air, yeah and filtered yeah, and filtered all presets i mean you know yeah the nothing whole is yards, real nothing. nothing is real not even the colors right in the photos they're not real have you ever seen like um i feel like uh sometimes have you ever seen those this i mean this is for all the women out there those uh spanks or, or oh, you yeah. know the the little garter things yeah. where people are pulling them up and i'm like that's just false advertisement right there right. you know what i'm not gonna yeah yeah, how would you uh, like to be dating in a time like this when? <laughs> oh, when you don't when really know it. what someone looks like. Yeah, yeah, it's they filtered their face with some sort of Disney princess filter. 
<laughs> their eyes are bigger and wow. a little yeah. longer eyelashes. No, yeah. it's, it's quite a time to be alive. It's quite, it's crazy. And so um, I told my husband, I said, I'm going to get one of those, you know, I call him a fat sucker in yeah. so I can pull up and, and all, everything is smooth. And he's like, why would you do that? I love you the way you are. And, yeah. and so, you know, it's kind of funny, but I always, when I look at those commercials and, and, you know, you got this girl and she's in this dress and then she pulls that thing up and I was like, that is false advertisement. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> don't be fooled people don't be fooled yeah, do not be fooled yeah so I'm not feeling so bad about it whenever I go you know try on clothes and I got a little lumps that lady did too until she put that that's thing on. right yeah I'm not gonna yeah. false advertise what Plus, she gets what you, you get. can breathe without the girdle on so and she can't <laughs> that's so who's right. winning then you are all day long all mm-hmm. day long so um I'm you know the thing is is that I it took me a long time to figure out that who I am and what I have and and what I look like and all of the things is enough It's enough for my husband. It's Mm -hmm. enough for my family. It's enough for my kids. I used to worry so much. I've been heavy, like, for 20 long years. Anyway, um, ever since I started having kids, honestly, it's probably been about 20, 27 years or so, um, I gained weight, and I had a hard time losing it. And I don't know. Right now, the culture is so... It's tough. Damaging. Mm-hmm. Um, and and here's the thing is like, I don't think that, bo- I think body shaming is a real thing. I don't think it's okay to be unhealthy. But right. I also don't think it's wrong to be a size 20. Right. And I had a really hard time with that for a really long time. And I used to say, I don't want to be this size when my kids graduate high school. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be this size when my daughter gets married. I don't want to be this size when, and my focus was so much on that that it really caused for my attitude and things to shift in such a way that um, it made those those times less joyous. Right. So I was looking back a, a while back, there was a memory that popped up on Facebook. I love Facebook memories because they bring about just, you know, yeah. the best of life. And But sometimes when we get into this um, mindset of I'm not enough for my kids, I'm not enough for this or that, um, I think that we can find that um, I look back at some of those memories and I, I'm sad mm-hmm. because I can tell by the look on my face that I wish I was something different in that time. Yeah. And I wish I was looking back at my daughter's wedding pictures and I said, man, I, I had worked really hard, but I, and I was happy that day, but I was so worried about the way I looked. Mm-hmm. I was so worried and I missed out on part of that day because of that. I was allowing for this idea of being perfect mm-hmm to get in the way of the perfect day. And I think that that is something that we all struggle with as women from oh, time yeah, to time. Oh, yeah, 100%. You struggle with that too? Yeah, I mean, I think that society, you know, okay, I was talking to a friend about this the other day because it seems like now when, you know, we have influencers, whereas when I had my first daughter, that really wasn't a thing. You know, social media was around, but it wasn't like this influencer culture mm-hmm. where you're sharing your every moment and your outfit of the day and everything. And so I was, I was scrolling through Instagram and, um, this woman who was, I don't even know her. She was an influencer with clothing or something, but she had a brand new baby, probably days old. And she was fully dressed makeup, never looked like she had a baby holding the newborn, you know, something to the effect of two days old. And I texted my friend and I said, I was wearing sweatpants for over a month. (laughs) After I had my babies, like I didn't look anything. I still don't look anything like this. You 2020 know? put us all back in sweatpants. And, and it's I'm not nothing mad. against her. It's <laughs> right. nothing against her. It's the whole, what we are saying as a society is what's acceptable or what you should be. Or even if you don't even mean that, what it's coming mm-hmm. across as to other women is I'll never, 
I'll never be that or I was not that or and if you're not confident in who you are then you're like nose diving mm-hmm. right you are spiraling it's best just to stay off of social media if that's the season that you're in if mm-hmm. you can't scroll and it not bother you then maybe you know take a step back and that's okay right. you don't have to you don't have to be on there but it was for me it was just such a different time 10 years 11 years ago I didn't have that expectation. Like that was not in front of me. If it would have been, I may have struggled a little more with postpartum, you know, thinking, oh my gosh, like, how does she look like that? You know, why don't I look like that? I should be this. I should should be be this. And, and a lot of, a lot of women don't want to be in photos because they don't think, you know, well, I'm not the size I want to be. Well then, you know what, when your kids grow up and they don't have any pictures with their mom, Mm -hmm. what's really going to matter? Not, not that. So it's really getting back to uh, who God made us to be, and that's not image-obsessed. Right. It's not that. That is not what he wants for you. When he talks about an abundant life, it's not that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not. I hate to break it to you. I'm sorry if, <laughs> if this is the first time you're hearing that. Um, but he doesn't want us focused on ourselves. He says die to self. Right. So yes, take care of your body. Your body is a temple of God. That's not saying go out and, you know, be on my thousand pound life or, you know, don't take care of your body. Right. But you can be healthy and not be it in your healthiest BMI. I mean, I don't know. It's every year when I go to my doctor, she's like, well, you're in this category. Thank you so much for this depressing (laughs) news. I'm going to, you know, go get a sonic coke now to celebrate (laughs) i mean it's just we're faced with this all the time and as women it's hard i don't think men really focus on it as much but we are we're we're in a society that if you're not xyz or a size whatever then some some stores don't even um cater cater to you anymore right and so that's hard it's hard so i think it's a mental game and i think you really have to tap into the truths of God, like yeah. who he made you to be, his promises, um, and get back to that. Because if not, then you're just, you're going to be lost as a goose and you're going to be mad and mm-hmm. sad and depressed. And you're going to not be able to reach goals. No, you're you'll not. Stop goal- you'll stop making goals. You'll stop looking forward to the future. Right. And you'll start just living it's good to live in the moment, but it's not good to be stuck in the moment. Right. Where you can't see past what today is. Well, and also to remember on the on the social media front, when you think of these huge influencers, I keep saying that word because that's what they are. Look at who, how many people they follow. It's a very small amount of people. Mm-hmm. They may have 2 million followers. They may follow 50. Okay? But it's the reverse for, yeah. oh, sorry, for people that are not influencers, right. we're following Everybody. sometimes thousands of people mm-hmm. that that's not healthy. Right. So maybe we need to take an inventory, do a heart check, like you said before, um, of what we're feeding our minds with, because a lot of it is junk. Right. Junk in produces junk out. Right. So those are, that's my two cents on that. I think that's really good. And I and and you're right on that because and it also shows you that, you know, even though they're influencers or whatever, and that's a you know, it's all in the name, right? Right. By them only following a few people, they're staying in their lane. Right. 
they're keeping their eyes on their goals. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's one thing that, you know, whether you have a, a work goal or a spiritual goal, a health goal, a financial goal, a family goal, parenting goal, friendship goal, whatever, I think we should be very goal-driven people yeah. because I think, you know, the Bible talks about without vision, the people perish right. and goals are nothing more than vision. Mm-hmm. So somebody was saying, I have a goal board and I'm like, I have a vision board. My vision board has crazy goals that I'll, I may never, ever reach, yeah. but that keeps me working. Yeah. And then it also has, you know, my, my vision board at home has, you know, read the Bible through in a year. It has uh, pray every day. Mm-hmm. And not just pray, you know, over my meal. Right. That doesn't count. Right. Like, I mean, Be intentional <laughs> with your prayers. Being intentional. Yeah. Journal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have I have work goals on there. I have family, you know, family time, mm-hmm. you know, vacation. I have financial goals, pay off debt. Right. Um, you know, car payment counter down, how many more payments mm-hmm. I've got on my car. It's good to have goals. It's good to have vision because that keeps us moving in a forward direction. Right. And knowing what and, and having the time and the um, wherewithal to know that our goals and our plans are great, it doesn't mean that they're always going to be our goals and our plans. Mm-hmm. We, can, we can have a vision board, and my vision may change according to what God calls me to do. Right. And so that's okay, having flexibility. I've learned as a pastor, like, flexibility is my number one skill mm-hmm. because I'm – I am bound by everyone else's schedule. Like yeah. I don't have a schedule of my own. I'm if somebody needs something, then that's what I do. And so I'm I'm anything, you know, but non-flexible. I'm the most flexible person you'll probably find. I'll cancel my plans to accommodate yours every day of the week. And I'm, I'm most of the time happy about it. Yeah. Most <laughs> of the time. Most of the time happy about it. Um, but without vision, without goals for the future, you know, we will just wander around and we won't keep in our lane and we'll look to everyone else for, you know, the next direction. When God wants to direct our paths every single day, mm-hmm. he wants to guide our path and he wants to be the light that shows us exactly what he has for our futures. And I think that one thing that um, I have had a hard time with is not having vision until now, like I'm 47 years old, I'm finding I'm trying, I feel like I'm trying, ah, feel like I'm finally finding who I am and what makes me tick. Yeah. And I think that sometimes younger people think that, you know, their 20s or their 30s are their peak, you know, where yeah. they're living their best life. And I'm finding, man, at 47, I'm just getting started. Well, because like, it comes to seasons of life. Yeah. I mean, you go from college to a job maybe getting married having kids your kids leave there's a whole new sense of who are who am I right like every season of life has those those things that come with it like well what what do I like to do um what do my husband and I like to do together instead you know when our kids are not at home anymore do Mm -hmm. what are our hobbies what what are my hobbies what do I like to paint? Do I like, you know, whatever you you're constantly finding out things about yourself, but God definitely has a purpose for every person. Mm-hmm. It's just like you said, staying in your lane. That's a big uh, thing up here at the church. When you work for the church, stay in your lane. You know, you don't have to put your nose in everyone else's ministry, <laughs> do what you're, put your head down, do the work. You know, God takes care of the rest. Right. If you stay in your lane. Yeah. No one likes a micromanager. 
Don't try to micromanage God. Like that's a lesson that we all need to learn. We don't need to micromanage him because he has it all figured out. Yeah. So he has a purpose. I mean, if you feel that way today, if you feel like you don't have a purpose, there is a purpose for your life. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to be still and ask and he will reveal that to you. I do believe that. And maybe the the season you're in won't be forever. No. Of whatever you're doing. I mean, think about how many jobs, you know, people have in their life. Right. Sometimes, I mean, most people. Um, but it's seasons of life. But God is present in every season. Oh, yeah. And even I feel like I've seen him at work in my life more now that I have surrendered mm-hmm. to that process. Because seasons of joy will end. Yeah. And we'll go through seasons of challenge. Right. But then we know that that will eventually end, no matter how dark it seems. Mm-hmm. Because joy is coming again. And so seasons and going through the ebbs and flow of life are really important. I remember when our kids were graduating high school and Lance and I never had a time when it was just the two of us. Yeah. So we didn't know what it was like to just be a married couple by ourselves. Yeah. We always had a kid, <laughs> kid hanging around. Don't recommend. Um, I, I recommend starting off right. But, um, but I remember when Jacob was getting ready to graduate high school. And so he was a senior year and I'm sitting on the couch and I'm looking across at Lance and he's plucking away at his computer. He's working on something and he's watching the news. That's kind of, we're, we're not very exciting people. Yeah. Um, and so he was sitting there working and I'm just looking at him and he could feel me looking at him. And he just, he didn't look up. He just said, what? <laughs> and I remember looking at him and saying to him, I know I, I love you, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I like you. Yeah. Like, what, what are we going to do uh, when we don't have kids? That's like, a profound statement. Yeah. But, but and, I'm sure a lot of people are having that yeah, conversation. Yeah, and he was like, well, thanks. I think, <laughs> you know, I, I like you. But, um, but I was like, you know, we have not been just the two of us, and our lives have rotated so much around the kids yeah. and the schedules Their and activities. all of the things that I, I was like, what's it going to look like when they're, when they're gone and the house is quiet and it's just the two of us sitting here because I was looking at it thinking, I don't want to just sit on the couch and watch the news while you work on your next sermon. Like I want, right. you know, what is our life going to look like? And I, and I remember sitting there and thinking about it and I thought maybe I was going through a midlife crisis. I thought, okay, I, I know my name. I know my address, but that's about all I know about myself right now. Mm-hmm. What do I like to do? I don't know. Do I like to paint? I think maybe no. I'm not very good at it. Okay, so do I like to, you know, and I, I, I struggled for a, a minute mm-hmm. trying to figure out who I was. And you know what? The thing about that is, is that the Lord brought exactly who I needed in my life at that time to put me forward into a place where I would have never, ever, ever guessed. Yeah. And I had to come to that realization that it's okay. Seasons are good. Seasons are okay. I love spring. Mm-hmm. I love fall. I'm I'm a I'm a fan of summer unless I'm in Texas. Well, and there's then I'm and not there's a reason that there's seasons. Degrees. Yes, because God they knows. End. <laughs> God knows, and she can't take no more of this heat. Right, and she can't be frozen. I mean, out. Texas is another another animal when it comes to summer it but it's like you know that season's going to end yeah it's like the week here that we had the snow in texas which is a big deal for us down here in the That's south right. none of us northern people can judge it, it was terrible <laughs> but we knew by saturday it's going to be 70 you know if we can just make it to se- if we can just make it yeah with the groceries that we have till saturday you know because you couldn't buy anything there was yeah. nothing so it's remembering that that seasons end mm-hmm. and new seasons come out of that he 
births new things. He's always making new things. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Thank God, because (laughs) (laughs) there are some seasons of my life where I'm like, if that would have lasted forever, I don't. Hurry up. Hurry up. Yes. Yes, for sure. Well, I know that I have found that in in this whole uh, this whole thing and and seeing um, it's been a lot of fun watching you become a mom. And watching you with your girls and, and watching just you and Josh and the way you interact together. And we certainly have a lot of fun. We've got we some do. dancing planned uh, before this <laughs> week is over. And I'm so glad that we're doing this on like the second day I'm here so that we can truly enjoy each other. Um, but I am I'm really excited to see how God shifts things for you as you become the mother of teenagers. And oh, boy. Yeah, I'm praying yeah. now uh, for you then. But yes. then and how the and how those relationships morph mm-hmm. from after after graduation and you become as you've found with your mom that that friendship that just builds and builds and builds. Right. Um how you find that with your kids and I've I've enjoyed that season with my kids and as a youth pastor still like um having my kids graduate is like all over again, the whole emotion things. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I was crying with one of my kids the other night because he was like, I've, I finally feel like I'm a senior. I'm going to graduate and I'm not going to come to your house on Wednesdays anymore. And oh. I'm not going to see you on Sundays. I was like, you've got to stop. Yeah, I can't, can't talk about this. I can't take this again. I've, oh. I've, I've, I feel like I've, I've yeah, had 50 children. And so <laughs> I've only had three, but, um, you know, natural, but like I've had all these kids that yeah. have gone through seasons of life and it's been so fun watching them morph into the next thing. And every one of them will come back and say, or I would say just about every one of them would come back and say that it was at every stage of life, they had exactly what they needed for the time. And I find that in my life, that is what's happened. The people that have have pushed me to um, expand my territory to do things that are way out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Way out of my, this is completely out of my comfort (laughs) zone. Um, and to also just learn learn that um, in every single season, God is enough. No matter whether we feel like we're equipped or not, right? God is going to give us everything that we need. And so, Kristen, I just want to tell you that I absolutely adore you, Aww, and I think same. that you're about the best thing that's ever happened, <laughs> and uh, to our family. And I am just so grateful that Josh chose you. And oh. chose someone so much like me as a great compliment, you know, because I mean, I'm was, God I think knew I'm what he was doing. Pretty sure I'm his favorite cousin <laughs> ever. I mean, I don't know. I can I say mean, that because it's my my podcast. So he I can, would, you know, he's, he's Team Angie. Yeah, we're, we're all Team Angie. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm so glad we are but, all Team Angie. But um, it's been wonderful to have you today. And well, I look for forward to me. hearing from you again, because I feel like you have an enormous amount of wisdom and grace and, um, I don't know, just encouragement uh, at a young, young age. Thank you for you're saying just, that I'm young, young. You're just a baby, <laughs> and you have so much. And I feel like I learned so much from you. Aww. And so, um, anyway. It's that, all God. I tell you, he's good, isn't he? Yeah. He is good, and he gives us everything that we need. So, That's right. Anyway, I appreciate you being on with me today. And Thanks. we will... I guess sign off from here. So thanks for listening. Yeah. Thank you so much for spending a little time with me today. I hope that between now and when we meet again, that you remember to embrace every single day, its joys and its challenges, knowing that who you are and what you have is just enough.